Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. For all your favorite characters from the Gillivers, shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at rode.com. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Broadbent. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Season 2, Episode 4 of Inside the Gillivers, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest. You know him as Walter Flynn White, Walt Jr., from the hit TV show, the juggernaut of television, Breaking Bad, the incredibly talented Mr. R.J. Mitty. R.J., welcome to the Gilliverse up here in Canada. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. And uh, we had some technical issues. R.J. and I were talking off the air. It's so funny how computers and everything can work like clockwork all day long until you either have an interview (laughs) or you got to do something and then it fails, right? Oh, every time, literally... Two minutes before we're supposed to meet up, right? We we scheduled do a little pre rehearsal, all this, <laughs> have a conversation, make sure that the uh, the internet to line, and all I hear is do do, and I'm like, what was that? I was out, I was like in the other room, and I walk back in, and my computer's like hard reboot, and I'm just like, no, Not now. come on now. <laughs> it my is, life I know and I told you the same thing as well too like I do tests to make sure I get good bandwidth and then and here's the weird thing too you know you and I were just talking just seconds before going live we are talking you said you know what the problem is with bandwidth during the day and that it's kids with their uh, home learning but yeah. now it's like eight, it's 9 o'clock in the evening here Eastern Standard Time there's no kids in school so where's my bandwidth well, going a lot of people don't know is the school district actually buys up the bandwidth um, oh. pre-buys it so, so they get first access to bandwidth. So even though they're not in school sessions, um, a lot of the bandwidth isn't going to the general consumer. It's going to privatized markets. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. Um, but it's, it's not like illegal or anything. It's just they want to privatize education getting the bandwidth. I get that. Uh, and I um, think that's so- smart. No, that's, that's actually yeah. smart. And I would certainly sacrifice a lot of my bandwidth when it comes to education. So that makes sense. Yeah, they're buying a reserve. You know, it's mm-hmm. like buying a whole t- big, huge tank of gas and you only need five gallons of it, but you got that for reserve for the rainy day. So I Correct. get it. Yeah. Well, we got a bunch of good questions coming in. I want to give a big thank you to our moderators, uh, Karina and Eamon, or our moderator teams, and the rest of our mods here, uh, Jen and Renata. We thank you very much for helping us in the live chat. So we're going to start with a question that's been sent to me by Karina. This is from Bob Rich. Uh, Bob says, who are your favorite actors and what do you admire most about their acting technique? and methods that's a, that's a I tough mean, question I, I wonder if I, I wonder if that's should, should I just stick to that? but uh, I, I got many many actors that I admire and I watch you know growing up Brad Pitt and Jim Carrey and, and Denzel Washington and that that whole genre of, of movie stars is um something that I really looked at and, and admired and growing up with. So those were those were my kind of little groups. But um but when it came to like working with, um I think I, I've been very lucky to work with some amazing people, um, in, in our industry and, and movie stars that and television stars that are just 
next level people. Um, and, and Brian and Anna um, Gunn were, were two of those people that I really learned a lot from growing up and growing up on Breaking Bad. And, you know, I, I was very lucky that my whole career I've been I've been around um, just the the excellence of, of the industry. Yeah. And, and I'm very grateful. You kind of had a bit of a surrogate family there too, didn't you? Uh, on Breaking Bad, right? Kind of a, a secondary mom. I know your mom's a great a great lady, but a secondary mom and dad, and uh, yeah, they, they were great. They're great. No, I, I I couldn't imagine um who I would be or, or what I would be doing without without Breaking Bad being being the catalyst for all of it, but let alone the the family dynamic we had in the show. Um, you know, the birthday parties and, and close family ties. And, you know, I spent six months of my, my life um, out of for seven years in, in New Mexico and really actually staying in New Mexico during those seven year periods. Um, so I, I it was home. That's fantastic. No, it's a good share. And, and that's one of the things, too, Breaking Bad is just one, one well, large piece of the puzzle in the Gilliverse, but everyone talks about how much of a family it is. It, tru- it truly is from the top to the bottom and everywhere in between. So uh, we're, everyone is blessed to have uh, been a part of that, including yourself as well. Yeah. And just before I go into the next question, my son Eric Jr. is here as well, too, and he got a new set of headphones today. He's got some Bear Dynamics, which he loves. He's commenting on yours. He says, nice head- headphones, RJ. What do you got? What are, what are you wearing on oh, your yeah. ears? Um, I think they're, yeah, Hi- Hyper X actually. Okay. I, I really like these guys. I, I've done, I've done the Turtle Islands and my sister just got those, those kitty cat ones. <laughs> um, but actually this is my, this is my second pair of, uh, Hyper X. Right on. And I uh, really like it. Great, great function. And, um, comes with adapters for computers and all that. And- nice. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, we, we froze up just a little bit. It doesn't hurt my ears. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Good, good, uh, uh, ear and less uh, ear fatigue. Uh, a question from Eamon, uh, one of our moderators here, our moderator heads. He says, are you still in touch uh, with uh, some of the cast? I I am. I'm, I'm in touch with them. I mean, as, as much as anyone's in touch with, with family to a degree, um, you know, we hear from each other every, every so often and, you know, um, it's a crazy time in our world right now. So everyone's very busy and we're all, we're all still working. So kind of work takes priority. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when we see each other and talk to each other, it's really like no time had passed. Uh, so it could be a year, it could be a week, it could be a day. And it's still the, the same conversation and the same energy. Uh, but we're all in good, we have a good par and good camaraderie. So that's good. That's good. And we have a super chat question coming in from Rogava. Rogava runs a really cool uh, YouTube channel as well, too. And uh, so he, he one of the questions was like working with uh, uh, Brian and Anna. So we've already discussed that. But a second part to his question is, uh, what was it like on the set? And do you have any storyline that is your favorite? And, and uh, oh, actually, he's saying in Better Call Saul. So that was a question I was going to ask as well. Do you watch Better Call Saul? So to answer his, what's one of your favorite uh, uh, storylines in Better Call Saul? Um, oh, I, I think I don't, I look at it as a whole story. I don't really see it as storylines as it's just integral networks coming together for this, this, this story. And I think for me, the biggest thing is to watch Bob Odenkirk, um, grow this power. Um, and, and you know, from Breaking Bad, even El Camino has the same story arc almost where it's, you have this very simple dynamic of an individual 
who's thrown into a very extraordinary predicament that he has to overcome and evolve with. And there's two choices to evolve or decay. And it kind of happens in both scenarios to these, these characters. And for me, I enjoy, uh, I was a big fan of Bob, um, yeah, he's growing great. up and he's, he's a, he's a character in, in, uh, in uh, a powerhouse and, you know, watching better call Saul kind of watching Saul Goodman be created is something that's, that's, I think, very unique to any show because you don't really see the manifestation of an alter identity, this, this individual that really is someone else, but you know him as this artificial generated person. Right, right. Like, yeah, you're seeing the reverse. I mean, you got to work with him in his full color, you know, animated uh, self. And now we're getting to see that mild mannered guy grow and fall and stumble to become, you know, what you, what you worked with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hilarious. Yeah. And that's, well, and that to me is something that, that when television creates these cinematic entities, um, that that's something that I hope we can never lose in television and film is, is that all that ability to create these types of well-rounded whole characters Exactly. Exactly. Here's a question from the Vivid Kiwi, uh, another great YouTube channel with all kinds of great theories. Uh, what if Walt was honest with Walter Jr. around the same time Scholar found out? So yeah, imagine that, right? If if uh, if if your on-screen dad uh, was like, okay, here's what I'm doing, uh, and I know you even did yeah. played with ideas of you know being the drug kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be kind of like Ozarks. Okay. So you remember the remember the Ozarks? No one really knew, but they knew something bad was happening. You know, they mm -hmm. knew that they knew that they had to kind of like protect themselves, and then they slowly eased into it into this drug world, and now they're like all kind of cold-hearted like people yeah. losing that losing that soul. So I think if we were going to play it like that, it would kind of fall along the same lines of like like it. It's like trying something that you know you don't really like, but you know if you taste it a little bit longer, you're like you're gonna build that taste for it, and you're gonna want more of it. And that's kind of what happens um, to these characters. Really, is they they get a little taste, and then they're like, oh, I want. I want all of it. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of the vibe. You know, something I think I've just I'm theorizing right now myself too, thinking about this, but if that was to happen, I could see you coming between Gus and, and dad, uh, you know, Gus and Walt senior. Cause I think Gus would take a liking to you as kind of a yeah. young protege. And then dad's going to get well, Gus, Gus would really take a liking, but to use, Walt Jr. against Walt Sr. That would be the leverage. Yes. That's, that's really what it would be. It wouldn't be a liking. It would be a leverage. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, do you watch Karate Kid? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or uh, Cobra Kai, I should say. Cobra Kai. Oh, and you Cobra, know, yeah. Cobra Kai, yeah. So you know how they're doing the leverage, you know, like that. It's, it's kind of similar process, except they're not doing, uh, you know, they're not manufacturing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a part before I jump to the next question here as well too we have a section on our channel here with the channel our YouTube members get a chance to ask audio questions so I've got two of them for you today and they're both actually well one is from Karina our, our head uh, moderator with Eamon and the second one's going to be coming from Lori so I'm going to play Karina's for you first and see if we can hear this here it goes from Karina Hi, RJ. My name is Karina, and my question is, can you tell me more about this psychological thriller, Isaac, that you were filming? Next to horror, my favorite type of film is a psychological thriller. 
Awesome. Yeah, I, I love psychological thrillers. They're my they're my favorite. Um, and and Isaac's a, a great story of this kind of like shut in guy who um, who is a mortician. And you don't really know what's real or what's fantasy with him because he's he's kind of a little off. Uh, we're still in development. Uh, we're planning on going back in October. We were supposed to shoot summer of last year, but we all know how filming went last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're still in development, but we have 80% of the project done. Um, Dove Cameron is one of the other leads, as well as some other amazing uh, men and women that really do a very um, unique performance. This, this movie is very... I, I love avant-garde and I love to say avant-garde <laughs> Just and this movie is very avant-garde. <laughs> You've been waiting to say it all day, haven't you? All day. All day. Yeah. Look for, look, I look for a use to like a, a sentence use for that, that specific phrase. Exactly. I had the exact same thing happen with my, uh, with my better half, Nicole the other day. I forget what the thing was. I can never retell a joke, but I was waiting for all day to say, so I could inject this little <laughs> joke and it worked. And so us guys with our stupid sense of humor, we, we just wait to, you know, so here's one coming from Lori and uh, this is a two part question and I'm spoiled cause I get to hear these beforehand. And the second part of your question is going to, it made me giggle. So here you go from Lori. Hello, RJ. This is Lori. I know that you started supporting your family at a very young age. Was there ever a time that you felt overwhelmed by so much responsibility? And on a much lighter note, I have to ask, when you were modeling for Vivian Woodward and wore that accessory with boobies on the catwalk, <laughs> did anyone tell you that you had a nice rack? <laughs> Thanks, RJ. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, well, well, yeah. Um, I, I was told I had a nice rack, um, and and it it was quite the nice rack. Um, <laughs> and uh, but uh, but Vivian Vivian Westwood is is a great group, and I really enjoyed modeling, and I still model, um, and especially for them, they they make great clothing. I don't know if people know who they are. If you don't, um, check them out. They're very unique, and uh, Vivian herself is really big into climate change and environmental stuff, and as well as I am. So I'm very um, keen on supporting individuals like that, and it's a it's a good group. And to the first part of that question, um, you know, I, I'm not the only one with a situation that starts um, having the ability to support their family at a young age. Even if you don't have the ability, you kind of have to to gain the ability. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stresses in this world. Uh, I was very lucky that I grew up in a, with a family that was, um, gave me the mentality is can't is a decision. Um, I, am a firm believer that, that we choose what we can and can't do. Um, it may not be instant that you can do it, but with time and, and blood and sweat and tears, um, you can do it. And, uh, so for me, um, I was kind of in a position where I didn't have a choice and I, I wouldn't ever take that for, I wouldn't ever change that. And, and I still don't today. Uh, my family is a very big part of my life and, uh, we're very close knit and we would, we do anything for each other. And, and that's something that I know why I do what I do for my family and they do what they do for, for me. 
Yeah, well, very well said. And I mean, and good on you for doing that. I mean, you know, like you said, we can choose to do what we can and can't do. And, uh, you know, I think probably a lot of times for your life, you probably had people telling you, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you've showed them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I really applaud you for that. Well, when someone says I can't do something, I ask why. And if they don't have a good enough answer, likelihood of me doing it is uh, exponential. (laughs) Good. Yeah, because and probably most of the time, they're not going to have an answer just because people are jealous and they want to see you fail, like see us fail. Well, I don't think it's they want people don't want to see anyone fail. They just don't have the ability to comprehend growing past that level. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. I think that's the big thing is in our, in our society, it's, it's, if you don't understand it, you're like, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's kind of, you, you're seeing it a lot more, especially when it comes to, comes to the market. You can't do that. Wait, what do you mean? And it's like one of those situations where like, no, I can, and I'm going to go do this mm-hmm. and you do it. Yeah. You may not always do it well. But you get it done. <laughs> That's right. And you're given that fire under your butt to, to do it because no one wants to be told that they can't. No. And they should, they honestly, they never should. And look at some of the greatest people in the world who have, you know, there's great guitarists and great sports athletes and everywhere in between that people have been mm-hmm. told by their mentors or their family or friends that no, you can't. And look what they've become. So more power to them. Uh, here's a question from IMN Dalton. Uh, was there a moment that you were so incredibly in character that you forgot that you were acting and that could have been breaking bad or anything you've done? Uh, I mean, I technically don't act. Um, I know, I know that's a weird, a weird thing to say. Cause yes, I, I, I am acting to a degree, but for me, what I do when it comes to my, my, um, my performances are, uh, kind of like living in that moment mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not really pretending to be um, someone else I, I am that person I am that person in that instant on that in these clothes with this dialogue that that is that person and um, and so what I do is I take the mentality of that person and I just use it and, um, and, you know, s- some of it is a two degree considered method acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really look at, at it as method. I just look at it as, as being and being there and engaged um, as, an, as, as that wording, as those individuals to whatever that goal may accomplish. And then as soon as I take the clothes off and, and off, I'm, I'm, I'm home and not that person. Yeah, yeah. Well, very well said, and thank you for explaining as well. Uh, a question from Josiah Nally, if I'm pronouncing it right, says, hello, RJ. What was your favorite scene to do on Breaking Bad? And I mean, you I think I counted today, was it like 53 episodes you were in or something? It was crazy. The numbers were insane. Um, it yeah, was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot. It was 50-something. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. I, I mean, I was in every episode, um, <laughs> except for except for one, I think, which was the fly episode. Actually, I think I was in that one, too. Just, yeah. It was small, or maybe, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny too, um, people always criticize that episode. And I think they, people, when they watch it back the third and fourth and fifth time, they say they skipped that episode. I'm like, why? That is such a yeah. pivotal moment for, you know? Well, it, it was a pivotal moment for the show. It, it saved the series. Because without the fly episode, we wouldn't have been able to afford to do what we did in other episodes. That was kind of a bottleneck episode for, for the season there. And, and that's something that shows you 
to a testament to the writers and to the people that, that were working on the show is how could we do a lot with a little? Mm-hmm. And and they did do a lot. And, it, and you know, that's either people's favorite episode or they skip it. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to skipping it, you're losing value of what of what these pieces are and how intricate a fly could be. And, and I think that's something that that um, is a great testament to to writers and filmmakers to show you that you don't need all the bells and whistles. All you need to fly. <laughs> I, exactly right. And I'm going to call on some of our great little um, video editors that are out there. Some of our viewers and friends and fans that are watching this, go snip this section right now and share this because I see this come up in all the, the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul groups all the time. How people, you know, like you say, they're opinionated. They're on one side of the fence or the other. And now we've got a little bit of data from someone that really, really matters uh, and telling us about why the fly, why the fly episode was so good. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it, it's the, the intricate nature of what Vince and the writing team did for the show is really why we still have the legacy today. Mm-hmm. And without it, we, we couldn't be the show that we are details he is all in the details talk about devils it in the details that's right that's right he's he's coming back by the way uh but three more episodes vince is coming back oh is he yeah. awesome yeah. I, I love vince he's we, such a great character we got to get him a microphone this time though he was pretty quiet last time so we're gonna put a mic we're gonna boom mic we'll get the sound guys from, from the well, team. i want to sit in one of these hyper x there Do you it. go i think we it'd look good, good go. vince with a hyper x i think we yeah well i'm sure we could get him a hyper x endorsement pretty easy <laughs> very easy <laughs> Here's a great question from Robin Salazar. Uh, Robin says, do you wish that you had a scene uh, with Jesse? I do wish I had a scene with Jesse. Um, I, I think I got, sh- I got shited on that. Like I, sl- <laughs> I got slighted. I mean, um, when it comes to, cause, cause me and him were the closest really in age mm-hmm. um, of characters in the series. I just never, never met. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe one day, me and him will have a scene uh but uh but yeah i wish we could have done that you think you guys would have been playing xbox or playstation or would you have been busting some doors down or I, something um maybe not on the show but in real life we did i got i got to i got to stay with him for a week when i was when i was younger and not allowed to have the house by myself okay um, <laughs> oh boy aaron aaron as a as a house uh, a chaperone yeah, that that was smart, right? Yeah. My mother did great, great there. We we went and we saw Juliet and the Licks and played Xbox. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna go sleep over at my friend's house. Aaron's mom. I'll be back in a week. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Maybe, maybe six months. No. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and let's let's talk about your mom for a second. We're gonna come up with some more questions. And, and this is something I know. Like you've obviously with your mom uh, most of your life. And sometimes I've been called this. So like mom, mom in my life was very, very influential on me. And sometimes people call me a mama's boy. And I'd be like, hey, why don't you come back when you have an insult? A mama's boy to me is yeah. not an insult. Do you, do you look at yourself as a mama's boy? And do you, do you take pride in that? Yeah, I, I'm a mama's boy. I look I look at myself more like a family man because mama's boy can be derogative. But, um, I, you know... I, I grew up with my mom. Uh, my parents divorced when I was very young, like two months old. Um, That's so right. it's like, oh, we're having a baby. Well, I'm filing. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it went down. But but it's it's funny to to say that. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, my my family um was very very close, and and even with um my father was kind of uh, mentally ill, um, and bipolar and schizophrenic and all and all those lovely things. 
um, self-medicated, all that stuff. And I was very close to my grandparents on my father's side. And uh, when I was around, I'd say around 10 or 11, my mother was in a car accident. Oh, yeah. And was um, was kind of paralyzed for about seven years. Whoa. Um, couldn't, like, she could walk, mm-hmm. but couldn't lift anything. They put a metal cage into her back. And so to do that, they slice all the muscles up, up your back and put this, this, still bar square into your to your back and fuse it to your spine and all these things and five years of surgery and 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 recovery and really two years of getting that life in order and uh about i don't know a couple of months before that my sister was born hmm. so it was us with this new baron born and and my mom couldn't even hold her for for Jeez. quite some time um so so when it goes to the other other conversation we had about, about, um, my family and, and the importance of step kind of stepping in and, and helping. Um, it, it wasn't really always financially. It was just being there and mm-hmm. making the little things happen. Support um, physically, emotional, you know? Yeah. Car- carrying the bags were key, man. I carried, carried all the bags just stacked high <laughs> and, and did it all. And the bottles and the changings and the whole nine yards. And, um, so when, when you go through something like that, you, you become very close. Um, it could be your mother, it could be your brother, it could be your sister, it could be it, your, your spouse for all that. But when you, when you go through that process, um, you definitely build a, a different bond and relationship and, um, very close. My mother was actually sick for the last three years, um, with, I don't know, many people have heard this, but breast implant illness. Never heard of it. Um, if and I recommend to anyone that knows someone with with breast implants or my mother had ovarian cancer young and had a mastectomy and all that and um had implants but um had very had been having these strokes practically for the last three years and uh and it was getting worse and worse and actually because our our health system is so screwed in the U.S. I actually drove over to Mexico okay. um and and got. So much better healthcare. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to believe. Yeah, come to Canada. Come to Canada. Okay. Well, I'm I where I live. I'm like I'm two hours away yeah. from Monterrey. Yeah. So it makes I, sense. I live on the border. So I'm 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 easier to drive there than drive north, especially in a pandemic. That's true. Um, I was I was only teasing you there, but for sure. Was it so? Was it more like like a, a saline um, reaction, or is it more deep than that? Um, deep, deeper than that, it was capsule. It was like a whole capsulated situation and her body was rejecting, but couldn't process it. And, and there's not really, um, people, it's not common, mm-hmm. but it's not, not common. And, okay. um, it took her to doctors all over the country and was taking her some here and finally got an answer. And they're like, hold up we don't really know and and this is something that i've heard my whole life growing up with cerebral palsy and surgeries and and situations and um all my family has had cancer at one point or something else and um so i'm, I'm fairly well versed in the medical field of of watching it or getting it done to me firsthand um and i've heard this a lot it's it's we know you have something but we don't know what Okay. But don't worry. We're going to test on you long enough to either one kill you or two will find out. Yeah. Um so they said that we believe it's this and um we can schedule for surgery next year. And this was in November and 
she was getting sicker and sicker. And eventually I said, you know what? I went, I put a deposit down. I paid for the surgery up front because it was ridiculous here. I went over there and, um, and, uh, it was half the price of my copay here. Not even, not even half the price. And they weren't, and they weren't accepting my insurance here. They wanted full price. Um, so I literally was like, no, we're not waiting any longer. We can't afford to wait. You might wake up and, and be in a wheelchair permanently. Um, so one day booked book the trip, we got into a car and we drove to Monterrey and, uh, three, a day surgery, three days of rest, came back to the U S and, and she's been healing and no, no symptoms, no strokes, no seizures, nothing. So, wow, that's, um, that's great. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that this, this is a very big thing, um, right now. And, you know, with, with COVID, if you, if you have a pre-existing condition, COVID isn't really what's getting people. It's, it's our, I I don't like to say this, but I do like to say this, our poor health choices. Mm -hmm. We all make them. (laughs) We all have them, but that's really what's catching up to us right now is poor health choices. And, and we really have, um, to strengthen the human condition, the human mind and the body. And, and that's something that um, I'm a big believer in. Very, very well said. So I'm glad, several things, I'm very glad that your mom is doing better. You got the surgery done for her. And uh, as a takeaway from this, I think it, both you and I would have no offense being called a mama's boy, would we? <laughs> no, don't <laughs> mind it at all. Bring it. That's right. Uh, here's a question from Redwood. Uh, have you seen Brian Cranston's new show, Your Honor? And the, my my fellow viewers here are going to yell at me because I haven't seen it yet. I don't have the service. I haven't either. Oh, you haven't? Okay. okay, we're good then. No, all right. so, we're good. High five that. <laughs> <laughs> if RJ and I have if RJ hasn't seen it, I got I got a little bit of uh, time bought here. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, from Vivid Kiwi, how do you think Walt Jr. and Skyler are holding up a few years after the ending of Breaking Bad? Very good question. I I personally believe it's rough um, because you know I don't I don't think a lot of people realize the consequences of um, of what happens when you have a father like a Heisenberg. Um, you know, DEA pretty much puts you into witness protection. They, they monitor everything. They seize all your assets. They, they really kind of monitor you for the rest of your life. And um, especially in the extreme nature of this. And even the family itself could be held as a liability or a mark from other gangs and rival gangs that I took Heisenberg's family away from him, even though he's dead or potentially dead. Um, but um, but I think it's kind of, they're having a hard time. You know, I, I, I think... I have some theories of where, or I have some ideas where Walt Jr. could go. I would say personally, like school, school education and, and something in the police force, probably like his uncle. And then um, I, I think Skyler is, is destroyed. Yeah. Um, and, and very, very heartbroken. And, you know, Holly, the baby, my, my baby sister in the show, I think she's kind of in this world of growing up with, with, Kind of without a father vibe, but then also the stigma of your father is this. And I think more of Walt Jr., he has that, but but growing up with the trial of what's happening, um, I feel there's a lot more that that the the baby will have to suffer for than Walt Jr. because he's already kind of had that suffering and the family kind of already continues to lose that. 
Um, but I think it's a hard road for the family. I think so, for sure. A lot of trauma, for sure. And you, your character would have had time to adapt. I mean, uh, Walt Jr. was at an age where, you know, you know, you can accept those things at that age. You might not have, Walt might not, Jr. may not have liked it, but you can accept it. But for a young baby, yeah. young child growing up all through it, and then in the school being teased and bullied, you know, later on, yeah, very tough, very tough. Um, a question from, this is from Leah Tur- Turgman. Uh, a question for RJ. Are you married? Are you in touch with someone from the series? Are you married? <laughs> Are you dating? Or? I, am, I, am, I am married to the series. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I am seeing someone, but uh, but not not married. Um, I... I, I got I got enough problems and <laughs> <laughs> a <the> marriage problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, we'll leave it at that for sure. Um, this is a question from uh, from Eamon from his better half Louise. What was your reaction when you read the script that Hank was going to be killed? That's tough. Oh, you know, I, I think it was it was sad. Um, it. You know, to a degree, it was understandable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it was either going to have to be one of the two. Um, and that's kind of um, Dean Norris, Hank, Hank Schrader, kind of made that la- line in the sand for him mm-hmm. um, when it came to just the, the standoffishness of that nature. And uh, we were really sad to see him, him die. But at the same time, what a great death. I know, right? What a great death. I, I That's one of my favorite things in movies and, and television. And I've been killed in shows a couple of times. Um, but man, a great death is just a, a, a work of art. <laughs> it, it is. And, you know, didn't beg for his life. And you look at someone, I mean, Hank was as tough as they come. And then you look at uh, Jack, you know, from the, the you know, the, the Nazi gang, when, when Walt basically shot him, basically he's like, you don't pull that treat light after he had the machine gun go off. And, you know, he's like, don't shoot me. You're not going to know where your money is. And he was basically begging for his life. And he was the toughest guy. Yeah. He, so he thought, so it goes to show you the different, he was a coward as a tough guy. And, and Hank was a brave to the very last second. Yeah. Yeah, well, agree- and that. Sorry, no, I'm just uh, a um, great character to play that role. Yeah, but I, I find a lot of the bad guys when it comes to it um, to put on these outside personas to to have these types of 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 hard hitting things. A lot of them are pretty soft um, and sensitive, and, and you know it's not always a bad thing. But when you live in a world like like those guys do they can't afford to let that go so in those moments of losing their lives and losing their death they're like no way i still have something to live for and for hank i felt it was one of those situations where it's like you this i i see you and you're you're not you're not taking that from me i did my job like i'm done like i caught you Mm -hmm. but when you grab the tiger by the tail. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. How yeah. about on the flip side of that? How about another death that was pretty shocking that we all kind of processed in our own way? Uh, I'm watching I'm watching Better Call Saul now for the first time with, with my girlfriend, Nicole. She has never seen it, so we're, we're watching that. She's really taking a liking, like most people do, to Mike Ermintrout. I love Mike. Yeah. And um, Mike's Jonathan death. Jonathan Banks. Yeah, right, right. But his death, Man. How, how about that? I mean, that was with Walt taking him out. And then he's like, later on, he goes, oh, I guess I could have got the dumbers from Lydia, you know, or the, you know, and so he really took um, Mike out uh, unneeded, unnecessary. What was your thoughts on that passing? 
I I think <laughs> I, I think that hit me just as hard as Hank um, mm-hmm. when it came to when it came to this cinematic scene of of this river, right? That's that's this this riverbank vibe of of like I fought the good fight, um, and that and that was kind of that tough as nails. Like those are the people that I like to look up to. Is is like those those they're not bad guys. They're not tremendously hard people but at the end of the day when push comes to shove they'll they'll get the job done and, and that's kind of the, the mic um of of that is he got the job done and he did it and he sat there and was like kind of this sitting by the riverbank of waiting to see his enemies float down and eventually he was one of them yeah and so i i think to a degree he had that peace there he had that like uh you did it. Out of all the people, you did it. And I like that. I like that mentality. And I like that scenic shot. Oh, the I cinematic know. value is amazing. Yeah, and, and everything inside the Gilliverse, uh, the, every shot is a postcard. I mean, you could pause and take a yeah. shot and send it to your buddy and say, I wish you were here. You know, it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Great team. Um, and there, here's a question from, where was this one at? This is from, again, from Karina. She says, do you think Walt Jr. and Holly are the only characters that didn't really break bad in some way? I mean, I don't think Holly got the choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you can't really break bad uh, at one years old <laughs> or uh, inf- infant, um, Steve. And you know what? Well, Junior did steal some, try steal some beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or get bad. some beer. Um, I, I think there was a point to that, though, you know, um, of the duality of, of these two characters and, and really more of Walt Junior than Holly. Cause, cause Holly didn't really have a choice to, to make. She kind of was, was there and, and, um, and as any baby is, they, they don't really understand good and evil. Um, that's not really a, a thing for infants to, to get and they, sh- and they shouldn't understand good and evil. No, um, no. they should only get the good part of it. But, um, I, I well, Junior had the ability to to distinguish good and evil, and you know, I think when it came to his his idols, which were his father and his uncle, um, I think he had that choice of of the duality, and and this good being his uncle and his evil being his father, and he picked and he chose his uncle. He he made that clear. Um, now. Would he probably regret it? I I don't know. I I probably would to a degree, mm-hmm. um, you know, because maybe maybe if he was there, he could have done something. But then at the same time, there's only so much you can do before it's not in your control. Um, so I mean, I think again, what I loved about Breaking Bad is it's all about circumstance. Agreed. What I, is? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Uh, here's a good question from Bob Rich. He says, another question for RJ. What are your favorite episodes or scenes from Breaking Bad that you got to perform in and what made them so rewarding? Uh, would it have been the scene where maybe uh, Walt Jr. is coming in, the, the struggle with the knife, you know, we're a family scene or maybe I'm out to lunch. What, what were some of your favorite scenes that you got to uh, perform I, in? I love the pilot. Pilot. Every every scene, pilot was my favorite episode, favorite scenes. Um it was really, it was really something that I, I enjoyed, and I always carry with me are those, those early days of, of Breaking Bad and the season one, um, of that, and 
uh, I, I enjoyed the, the standoff scene with, with me, Skylar, and my dad. Um, I, I enjoyed the, um, the scene where Walt Jr. finds um, Walt beat up mm-hmm. um, and, and broken. And um, I think those were great moments and, and great, great periods um, in, in this. Yeah. It, it's so funny too. You look back and some people, you know, um, Anna got a real rough shake with, uh, with some fans, you know, people were saying, you know, they didn't like Anna. They didn't like Skylar, I should say, but they took it personally on her. Yeah. And I think really, you know, if you're to compare who's the, the lesser of the two evils, um, definitely is Walt himself. I mean, I, the first time I watched that show, I, and like a lot of people, I loved Walt. And then as I watched it again, and as it got deeper into it, it's like, how can I love this guy, right? And you love to hate him. Yeah. And it went so so dark so quick. But I agree with you 100% on the pilot for the sole reason that people even like Michael Slovis, he's been on the show. And when they reached out to Michael's him, great. I know, right? When they reached out to him, like he said, no, I don't want to go do a show out in the desert, you know, like uh, it's not for me. And then they sent him, you know, they overnighted him like the whole, the first season. He saw the pilot and is like, okay, when do you want me there? Yeah. Michael, Michael is an amazing DP and really created just a, just a vibe. And, you know, I was a fan of his work from Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a big part of his life. And, you know, we had probably one of the most well-rounded cast crew productions networks, um, ever. I, I personally believe, uh, in, in the industry and, uh, and the show couldn't be what it is without each and every one of them. I agree. And I mean, there's some good, you mentioned Ozark earlier. Uh, Ozark, that's a good show. That's a really, really good show. There's a lot of good shows on TV. And I know that you'll be biased because you were in this show, but it's hard. It's really hard to beat this, anything that Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould and the team touch. It's really hard to beat that. I I really haven't seen a season, uh, uh, and this isn't just Breaking Bad. This is this is all of Peter Gould and and Vince's work. I haven't, and, and even Michael Slovis and mm-hmm. other other Marshall Adams in yeah. the production. I have never seen anything that they've done that I didn't like, even love. Yeah, like when you talk about like people don't realize like X Files and Hancock and all that stuff. Like I didn't know that until after the fact. I'm like, oh my god, this this stuff is like this is our people. I know, like, right? You know what I mean, and then same with Better Call Saul. I, I very I'm very proud and and prideful of Better Call Saul because I'm like these are our people. We <laughs> we we're part of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I think I remember you attending the El Camino premiere. You uh, you were there on the, the yes. to that. How did you like? How did you like how that story tied up the bow of Jesse Pinkman and and maybe a life after? Like, even though you aren't, your characters aren't mentioned, but you're yes. there in mindset. How do you think they wrapped that up? Uh, I I liked it. I I liked it. Um, sorry, it wasn't. I, I didn't like it as much as as as. I thought it could had it could have been a little better in some spots. Okay, because um, a movie is hard to cram that much information in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's that's a hard thing to do. I would like to see it as like a mini series. That would have been cool. Um, so it would have gotten more play, and mm-hmm. and you could have extended some stuff. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like it was over. Yeah. 
didn't I, I definitely didn't feel that but but as a whole i really enjoyed it and seeing it on the sense like seeing it in the big screen and with everyone it's i mean you can't beat that no i know like, everyone there and, and a reunion for a lot of you yeah yeah very much so yeah i i it's you know in one way it was nice to see jesse get his redemption and get away from you know the mental and physical abuse he was having um and then we're seeing that with better call saul and i'm assuming you're looking forward to seeing what happens to gene you know like mm. in in the uh, we're seeing gene in the black and white kind of uh one-dimensional soulless world of you know he can't he can't have his animated colorful life anymore i'm looking forward to see what happens to him yeah i think when it has the ability to like kind of open that that door of kind of i i think this is a great reflection on on human psyche we we retreat and we compile we get dull and dark and 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 that goes into this this mentality of this hate and this deepness and then eventually what happens is is you either overcome it you blow up from it mm-hmm. and so i'm very interested to see how this is going to come to a head yeah, for sure do you do you think i mean vince has said that, you know there's not going to be anything like he's toyed with the idea that there's or he's pretty much said there's not going to be more spinoffs and things like that and that could just be to throw us a, a curve but do you see any any character arc from breaking bad better call saul or anywhere in that neighborhood of a spin-off show that could be successful any character arcs do you do you think there could yeah, be yeah mine <laughs> that's, that's yeah suspicious. mine mine and anna's what are you saying come on now all right um <laughs> i that was a good setup for you yeah that's perfect no i i definitely could see i you know it's not over until it's over yeah. and it could be tomorrow or it could be 50 years from tomorrow but i mean it, again it's not over till it's over and uh, i think there's a lot of potential um that i could do i i think they probably want some rest because mm-hmm. really yes. what happened is, is they just rolled they rolled breaking bad right into better call Saul and right into el camino yeah and um and that's a lot um we're working on shows of that magnitude um and there's a lot of a lot of politics, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Yep. And uh, and I, I think they could all use a hiatus. <laughs> no time to put your feet up on the coffee table for five minutes, right? No. Yeah. Nope. And well, they deserve it. So. Well, Vince is going to be here in three weeks. So, and I have just like you and I did our test call before the uh, show. I'll have his ear for 15 minutes. You want me to try to put in a good word for you? <laughs> Putting a good word, my friend. We'll see what happens. I but you would say, hey, where uh, where is RJ Mini and Anna Gunn at these days? <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I was looking at your IMDb page. And, you know, for people that just know you from a few different things, you know, that that's wonderful. Uh, and it doesn't matter where people come from that they find you. If they find you from Breaking Bad, awesome. If they find you from this, that's awesome. Uh, um, you know, but to look at your IMDb page, and your list is like this. Did Was Breaking Bad, like I know you started as a young actor as well too, but did Breaking Bad open a lot of doors for you as an actor? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it opened, pre- I don't like to say it opened every door for me. Mm-hmm but it made them a lot easier to open. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it gave me a platform. It gave me a tool to utilize in all my works. Um, and, and, you know, more so not ironically, it actually hindered me in, um, in, in television and film because people have a hard time kind of telling me from Walter White Jr. They, they love that. And that's a very breaking bad. It was an iconic show and, and altered cinematic television. 
So that was kind of hard to kind of get out of, get away from, separate that. Um, but what it did do is it did open me up um, for more philanthropic endeavors, more advocacy roles, um, and, and gave me those tools to work with amazing organizations and insight in those organizations of how we can help people, how can we make a difference, and how can we use platforms like Breaking Bad that, that I was on to be able to bring awareness, to, to bring opportunity to others, to use it as an example. And, and for me, that, that's better than, than any type of other TV show that I could do is that I have the ability to, to raise awareness, utilizing the power of Breaking Bad, utilizing this, this entity that is so much bigger than all of us. Um, to, to try and help people and, and make a difference. See, that is very admirable. And I, one of the comments I had wrote down earlier at the top of my list of things I wanted to talk to you about was number one, how humble you are. And, you know, I think that Depends comes on the day. Yeah, I know. I get you. You know, someone might be telling you some great things and all of a sudden your, your headphones, you have to adjust your headphones to fit a little bit more because your head's Sorry. getting big. <laughs> there you go. No, but truly though, very, very humble. And, uh, you know, the advocacy that you do is, is to be welcoming ended are, are there any uh, things as we get ready to wrap up the show here are there any charities or organizations like that that you just like to uh, take the opportunity and just give a, a shout out or have some of us recognize things that are very dear to your heart yeah um always you know um i was i was trying to think of a couple of canadian projects i, I was I, that i work with different groups um but uh, you know i'm a big supporter of, of shriners hospitals for children which is the global organization um, you know, United Civil Palsy, um, I'm an IMPWD committee member, which, um, is a, a campaign for people, performers with disabilities. Um, you know, I, I started a anti-bullying, um, initiative called Cut the Bull for Shriners Hospitals. Um, you know, there's, there's some amazing organizations all around the world. I, for me, it's, it's, it's important not, uh, to really, I don't like to plug anything. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not big. I'm not big. I'm not big into plugging. But what I am big into is, if there is a, if there is something that affects you directly, and there is something that you feel passionate about, and that you're like, I know this is going to make a difference. Do it. Follow it. You don't always follow my my groups or, or what I believe. If if there's something in your local area that you're like, I want to help, but I don't know how contact them contact them directly the more often than not they're looking for volunteers i know it's tricky right now with covid um there's there's many different initiatives like right now i'm working um with uv training and um i, I started an initiative where i live right now called a new standard of clean um which is we're trying to to get more people to raise our standards of clean and health in our everyday environment um and I, I do that through a no a no debt school um, here in Brownsville, uh, Texas. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a couple of initiatives on getting more equal opportunity employment. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Um, and you know, for me, just really, when it comes to anyone that's watching this or, or going to see this, when if you want to work with an organization, a foundation, a nonprofit, a, a movement, or any type of that, um, believe in it wholeheartedly and, and don't be afraid to jump into it. Fantastic and very, very well said. And that's the thing. That's that's good too. You don't necessarily always have to plug one particular thing because you, you do that and there's so many other good ones out there that are just as equal and 
Yeah. That there's so many, there's so many organizations and, and that's why I don't think people realize is it, it's yes, you may hear about the one big one and they and they did all these things, but really that one big one kind of piggyback off of the hundreds of thousands of millions of people that have been working on the ground and, and in the fields, um, doing this and, and paving the way for um for just having opportunity. Um, and, and you don't have to go to the, the monster ship to make an impact. You could, you could do it in a, a rowboat. <laughs> Very well said. That's, that's going to be our perfect takeaway for the end of the evening here. It doesn't have to be the, the monster ship. There could be the rowboat. I like that. Very well said. Well, listen, it's the top of the hour here, and it has been an absolute pleasure. People always say these shows go fast, and I, I told your assistant as well, too. I said, it's going to go by fast. <laughs> it, the 60 minutes well, feels like 20. Yeah, it always does, and especially with with a great host. Thank you for having oh, me. Oh, thank it's a you to be on. Thank you. That I, I'm a huge fan, and you know it, it's very hard, you know, to do these shows and not fanboy out. I've I've gotten a little bit better, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge fan of your work. You were uh, very dear to my heart and the show. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a parent as well too. So you know, I and and, and a, a son that's close to well, close to what Walt Junior was in the show, <laughs> right? So it's I have a lot of personal connection as well too. Oh, there's there is a question I did miss from Ariana sixty five forty four. Have you ever watched Malcolm in the Middle? I have watched Malcolm in the Middle. I really, I really like that that show, and you know, I'm, I'm sad to see the passing of uh, of their grandma. Yes, that, that yes. happened this this past week. Um, but uh, but a great show, and you know, it was really good to see the transition from Brian um, going from this this character to to what he did in in, in Heisenberg, as well as to the others. Um, the diversification is amazing. He, he is he is amazing. He's one for the books, for sure. We can all learn from. For sure. Well, listen, I'm going to give you an open door policy here to come back anytime you want. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Uh, big, big fan, as I was starting to say there. So thank you for gracing us uh, with your time tonight. Anytime, let me know. I, you know how to get a hold of me, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not hard to find. Okay, all right. We'll go deeper next time on some other issues as well. So just before we go, obviously, thank you for your time. I want to thank other people that make this show happen as well too. A big thank you to Warren and Rachel over our Bobbleheads.com Royal Bobbles. They're a sponsor of the show. Uh, there's going to be some cool things coming. I can't say what they are because uh, confidentiality, but uh, some really cool things coming from the Gilliver side of Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads.com. I want to thank our YouTube members. Our, our Patreon supporters, our YouTube subscribers, our moderator team here. Uh, we thank you so very, very much. We've got uh, uh, Karina and Eamon heading up the uh, the team, and then we've got Jen and Renata supporting them as well, too. We couldn't do it without you. They make this, I, they are my first uh, line of defense, you know, to make this show good, and it's been going good. Karina's been texting me questions all night long for ones that I miss. You guys have been great. Thank you so very, very much. Also, encourage you to check back next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We've got Rex Lynn. Uh, we've got Kevin from Mesa Verde. He called me the other day. Almost missed. I almost didn't answer the phone call because I usually don't answer unknown calls. And then he actually is talking to me in character. Yeah, Eric, this is uh, Kevin, and I hear you need. You're looking for a loan, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get a new Camaro. So we're talking ten minutes spitballing back and forth in character, and then I'm like, let's talk, let's talk business. And then we broke the character, and he's coming on next week, so it's going to be a ball as well too. 
That's awesome. Awesome. Listen, don't go away. I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone have a safe and fantastic weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you here. Check out our new Facebook page. It's like 2021 and we got a Facebook page. Like how, <laughs> why, what the heck is with that? Facebook.com slash inside the Gilliverse or find us over on Instagram at the same address. And we'll look forward to seeing you right here next time inside the Gilliverse. Until then, cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. 